Hi, hello, it's Jojo. It is 2022, and in true honest faith fashion, I thought I'd be consistently inconsistent in uploading. I also want to apologize in advance. Um, there's construction going on right next to me. So this episode is brought to you by the sounds of gentrification and renovation on all the Asians, but whatever. I'm learning that I need to be more realistic in setting goals, and in doing so, I'll stress myself out much less. Because let's be real. I don't have a massive following, but the few that do listen are genuinely interested in what I have to say. So I won't waste y'all's time just trying to talk. I want my words to have weight. So for that reason, boys and girls, I'm going to tell you a story about yams today. Yes, yams. (laughs) African yams. The white, heavy, starchy tubers of goodness that are to Nigeria what the potato is to Ireland. Yams. Let's go. Okay, so we're in 2014 and I just graduated from high school. Oh, wow, it's almost been 10 years. I'm aging. I can feel my ovaries shriveling and with them, my inherent value as a woman. I weep. Just kidding. I'm not like that, but whatever. Anyway, yes, I graduated from high school and before starting college, my mom gifted me with a mother-daughter trip to the United Kingdom, where she was born and raised for a while. Anyway, fast forward through the flight and sightseeing and the reunion with my family there, and we get to the meat of the story. My uncle, my mom's brother, lives in the UK, and we were staying with him and his family. At one point, we were hungry, so he decided to take me to go shopping for ingredients to make a Nigerian dinner. Delicious. In particular, we were looking for, you guessed it, a yam. If you're from West Africa, you know how important it is to have one. Fried boiled or pounded and paired with a goosey soup. Oh, tantalizing. Anyway, I'm distracting myself. My uncle and I stopped by the shop after picking up a few things from Morrison's or Tesco or Sainsbury's. I don't, I, just, I don't know, but I remember this small shop. A nice man was behind the counter and we asked him where the yams were. He told us, he told us, so we located them in the shop, picked out an impressive looking one, as well as some ripe plantains, because if you know, you know, and we headed to the counter to pay. In a move that proved to be quite profound later on, my uncle kindly asked the man to cut the yam in half. He wanted to see if it was good. The man hesitated at first, and then he cut the yam in half. And it's a good thing he did. On the outside, the yam was big, beautiful, and without blemishes. But oh boy, that inside. It was black. Not completely, but enough to make it useless. Needless to say, my uncle wasn't buying it. The man behind the counter got quite animated after this confession. He tried to convince my uncle that the yam was fine and a black center was completely normal. My uncle wasn't buying that either. They went back and forth, all the while I just stood there, amazed that this whole rigmarole was over a yam and also scared that this wasn't going to end well. The man just kept insisting that the yam was good, and I was worried that my uncle would lose the argument just to avoid further conflict, but instead he said something that was so profound that it still stays with me today. In response to the man insisting that the yam was good and healthy, my uncle calmly said, I'm African. We grow these. For which the man had no reply. So we left the shop and the rotten yam behind. So that's it. That's the yam story. Now, why am I telling you this? I won't try to beat around the bush. I'll get to the metaphor. Up until this point, I've been comparing the church to a physical body because the Bible describes it as such. But let us, brothers and sisters, pretend that for one split second, the church is a yam. And by the church, I mean the Bride of Christ, the Church of Acts, the Biblical Church. I want to make this definition clear. 
The Bible in this case is a guide that describes perfectly how a healthy edible yam looks, feels, and appears on the inside. Ephesians 2, 19-22. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.18, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. So yeah, I read those verses, but I might have skipped a few words. It's hard to read and record at the same time, so forgive me. But these verses show not just characteristics of the church, but the priorities of those that make it up. The head of the church is clear. And it is very evident that the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, shares glory with no one. Okay, so what does this have to do with my yam story? Well, I'll tell you. Growing up in the church, I was told to be ready to defend my faith against the raging atheist, agnostic, and other theists. While this is very necessary, I think that a huge oversight was made, maybe even intentionally, regarding teaching young believers to be able to distinguish biblical Christianity from falsehoods masquerading as the real thing. Do they exist? Oh, absolutely, and I think especially here in the U.S. I don't know what to call it exactly. It, it looks good on the outside, like church attendance, the Jesus fish on the car, essential oils and multi-level marketing. Like, <laughs> it, it, I guess it looks harmless, but when you cut it in half, you see organisms that have caused this falsehood to rot from the inside out nationalism and idolatry of one's country, political party allegiance over heavenly citizenship, God, guns, and country. As I mentioned before, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of his church. He shares glory with no one. Yet for decades now, and especially in the past few years, evidence abounds that American evangelicals have a sneaky habit of placing an and in a sentence in which only Christ belongs. A bad yam. And in this age of outing, I see a lot of people exposing which yam they have purchased. And boy, is it discouraging. I'm, I will say there is one good spin on this whole situation. Ever since I learned about how widespread this yam problem was in the U.S., it's been a lot less surprising with comments supposed Christians make on social media. I mean, I can almost instantly tell the yam crop a person's bought into by their response to an article outlining of vaccinations and justice, mask mandates, and social issues. And no, I'm not a Democrat. But I think that this idea is useful in explaining many more supposedly liberal movements, such as deconstruction and decolonization of one's faith. Say, for instance, that you grew up in a family in which your mom or dad couldn't cook. Y'all can't afford to go out to eat, so you have no option but to suffer with the watery mac and cheese, flavorless jollof fries, and chicken with nuts crusted on it. You grow up only experiencing these forms of food, and you don't like them, but you haven't been exposed to seasoned, well-prepared foods, so you just assume that the foods you have are prepared correctly, and you conclude that you just don't like them. You don't like mac and cheese, you don't like jollof rice, and nuts make you swell up, so you figure you can't eat chicken. Little do you know, it's not the base of the meal you have an issue with. It's the Marie Callender salt and pepper water is spicy method of food prep that rubs you the wrong way. But again, you don't know this. It's not until you come across a way of preparing and seasoning the food that does it justice and preserves its integrity that you realize that the food wasn't the problem. The presentation was. So back to the yam story. If my uncle had gone along with the man trying to sell him the slimy yam, I wouldn't have eaten it because I, too, know better. 
But if I didn't, I would have just eaten it and obviously concluded that I didn't like yams. So a lot of people have concluded this much about Christianity. They must not like Jesus. They must not be cut out for Christianity. Their love for the poor and the marginalized just doesn't pair well with the nationalism and racism they see. Their desire to see God in every tribe, tongue, and nation from an equitable perspective just just doesn't complement the seasoning of the white savior mentality of many churches regarding missions. The rotten core of American evangelicalism isn't tasty. It never was. Our bodies reject it with every bite and every time someone tries to feed it to us, but eventually we just get up from the table and condemn the cuisine overall, even though it's the chef's fault. But the fortunate few of us who've had a good yam can taste that something's off. But then we channel our frustration and move towards removing the corrupt chef and reintroducing yams to the community in a way that honors the flavor and does them justice. And don't quote me wrong, there are people that high-key just don't agree with the teachings of Jesus. They definitely exist, especially when it comes to the moral teachings that deal with the denial of self. But don't get it twisted that the inability to stomach a sour, disrespecting rendition of Christ that is the American Jesus is rejection of the real Jesus. We can't all be fooled. Rejecting the Republican Party and nationalism is not rejecting Jesus. If the previous statement rubs you the wrong way, I suggest a thorough inspection of your EM crop. Something's off. And I'm not the one to point out a problem and not offer a solution. Luckily. And luckily, I think a solution was made evident from my uncle's response in my EM story. And I quote, I'm African. We grow these. The key to calling out and removing power from the shapeshifters and churchianity is to know Christ and his word for yourself. My uncle refused to be sold a fraudulent, inedible yam because he'd spent enough time around the real deal and knew how to sniff out a phony. He knew what to look for, the questions to ask, and didn't just take the shop owner at his word. But remember that the goal is not to dunk on the Theo bro or Pharisee on Twitter. It's tempting, but it's not beneficial to the kingdom for obvious reasons. I remember an unsavory interaction I had with someone in a position of spiritual leadership when I was in college. I asked him, a white man, if he ever thought the Bible had been weaponized to subjugate women. Now, he was and is a great speaker and a presenter, so I thought that it was a great question, and I asked it casually. Imagine my surprise when he replied that he wouldn't respond to my question because it was rooted in a bad spirit. I'm paraphrasing. I took his response well at the time. I figured I just wasn't mature enough and that these questions would disappear once I became more spiritual and I matured. But that wasn't the issue. I just made him uncomfortable. The real answer, I'm guessing, didn't pair well with his Jesus. And I'm looking back, his response said a lot more about him than it did me. It didn't really change my interactions with him, but it did lead me to question whether God could handle my questions. Like, what kind of God was I serving? I started to be insecure about the character of God. I placed too much weight on someone else's presentation of him. I placed way too much weight on it. And rather than, you know, understanding the God that I'd grown up to know as revealed by his word, shame on me. I don't say this to vilify anyone, truly. And I'm not trying to single out one side of the country, but I'm not about to both size this problem just to make people feel better either. There's a huge problem in the U.S. with Christian nationalism and fraudulence in the mainstream presentation of Jesus. This fraud of AM was presented by those who enslaved African captives and told them to be content in their captivity, though the same God supposedly advocated for their freedom. 
If human beings were capable of such evil and distortion of the truth, then how much more would those institutions and falsehoods be kept healthy in a society in which money and power are so greatly cherished and directly upheld by these lies? Think about it. Think about it, then examine your yams. Think about the ways in which you could be peddling rotten yams and vilifying those who know better, calling them radical, divisive. I've thought about it, and that's why I'm here. At least, partly. Read the Bible. Study it. Pray for discernment from the Holy Spirit and allow God to teach you to present his word correctly. Anyway, yeah. I put some thought into this episode and I hope you get something out of it. I think that pseudo-Christianity that aligned itself more so to the Constitution than the Word of God is dying out. You can tell by the many the world is ending and the end is nigh revival conferences and summits that evangelical churches are hosting and promoting in spite of the current health crisis. Needless to say, I'm happy with the false yams being exposed. You should be too. And as for the yams, don't go searching for them. The last thing we West Africans need is for yam prices to be driven up and gentrified and then end up in Whole Foods. Leave them alone, please. We've lost oxtails already. <laughs> anyway, till next time.